Hi everyone, Larry Bailey, Mortgage Workflow Partners, and uh, we are going to go through the Encompass release notes. This is for the 23.3 major release, and it is a major release. Like uh, again, if you saw my pre my pre uh, my my pre-release notes for the Encompass web version, I was I was kind of giddy <clears throat> in a very geeky Encompass way. And uh, Hey, listen, first of all, shout out to Ice Mortgage Technology for pressing on the gas in the right directions. We're going to actually break this release re re uh, review into two sections, the new stuff and then the fixed issues, because the new stuff, this is probably going to be like a 30, 35 minute uh, walkthrough just for the new stuff. And I'm telling you right now, you got to pay attention. There is an enormous amount of stuff changing things that you're going to have to pay attention for business rule changes, workflow changes, new technology that being that's being available, things that you might have bought plugins for or developed plugins for, you're probably not going to want to need anymore. Um, persona changes, milestone template changes, like you'll see. Just watch. Like that's if that if I didn't tease you enough to pay attention to this, um, you're probably not even watching. So, for the rest of us, uh, let's dig in. Uh, so this was last revised August 25th. I'm doing this recording today on September 1st. So, um, and this release isn't going to be happening until uh, the first week of October. October 7th is what it's penned for now. So um, if we see any updates, I'll do a follow-up supplement. I'll watch for that. Um, and, uh, and please get over to um, mortgage.community and we're going to start talking about 23.3 um, as an entire group, because it is a huge release uh, for the desktop version. So here we go. It's two minutes of prep. Hopefully I primed you and you're ready to go. Um, I'm literally not going to read through this part because it's just too much. I'm going to jump right down to the important things. You can read this on your own. Um, they, they are, again, I'm going to go right down into it. So we're on page uh, 8 of 116. Um, I really want you to pay attention, though, for admins and tech. Please make sure your machines running in Compass are up to speed on your minimum system requirements. Every machine should have at least 16 gigs of RAM, if not 32. Even if it's a laptop, you can grab a 32 gig laptop for a grand, maybe even 1,200 bucks. It's worth every penny. Uh, you're gonna, you're gonna want it. You're gonna want it. <clears throat> so again, I'm gonna fast forward down. To this spot here, so on page 11, page 11 of the uh, PDF that is in the link there, again, this is as of the August 25th, uh, the things that as an Encompass administrator, uh, what I did here was just call out specific things, and I want to explain why they're calling it out. So FHA county limits, conventional county limits, and federal threshold limits, this is important because it's updating the synchronization. So if, you're, if, you, if you've never taken one of the training courses that I've offered over the years, please take my advice. Once a month, every month, you should go into loan templates and make sure that you've updated all of your templates to current sync tables because they do change. Um, this is going against the federal threshold limits and the, and the conventional county limits. So uh, we're going to get into more details, um, but the, um, it's really important to keep that up to speed. You've also got a new project review for condominiums. So if you're a condo lender and you've got a whole project review that you created a whole custom input form for, that's cool. Um, but you might want to consider what's natively going to be available because these fields are what's feeding into GSE delivery. 
That's why you want to go for it. Gang, there's an entire new table we're going to go through for AMI, and that's the, that's the uh, area median income. First time in Encompass, and there's been a bunch of talk about this over the last 12, 24 months um, to try to build some third-party tech. It's, it's baked into Encompass now. Uh, two new APIs for loan trades and MBS pools. So if you're building tech or have tech that's um, grabbing information, especially if you're working with like Optimal Blue or some other PPEs, or um, or hedging companies, things like that. You can there. You want to make sure that everybody's tuned in to the new uh, uh, APIs because you can get trade details, or you can get trade history um, that have been created for loan trades and the MBS pools. So that's important. You've got a new conventional county loan limits setting screen. You've got new developer connect percenter settings. We're going to talk about that. You got new persona options for ordering pre-closing documents. Gang, this is why it's critically important. This is why I've been beating the drums for the last, I don't know, four months, three months at least, um, publicly. You have to partner with an education provider who keeps you updated. So um, in October, so in about four weeks, we're going to be launching a 23.3 Mastering um, Encompass as an admin. Um, the price is going to be $2,500. It gets you a full 12-month subscription to the entire space we go through all of these settings live. Everything's recorded. There's a ton of resources. There's nothing else out there like it. Uh, and I know because I've, I've built much of what's out there. And, and this by far in mortgage.community, you won't find uh, this level of information and collaboration and engagement and continuous access to keep you updated as an admin anywhere else. So make sure you take advantage of that. Uh, more details to come here in the next uh, couple of weeks on the announcements. So there's new personas uh, getting updated. There's new consumer status fields. So if you're not using Consumer Connect, I get it. Like over the years, it's kind of been like, why do I want to do that? For the last 12 months, um, give or take, I've been really focusing on clients to think twice about how you're dealing with your uh, consumer interface. Um, a lot of people fled over to Blend or Simple Nexus, and they're now seeing that, you know what? Maybe I should think about that again. Um, because ICE is really making that experience better. Um, if you haven't experienced the one-time uh, one passcode that's available, put it in your test environment and test it um, because all those auth code things are gone. Um, yes, there's still a third-party uh, tracking issue if people are using iPhones or blocking URLs, things like that. Um, absolutely. But the idea of this is in the milestone template, you can now send a custom status to the consumer connect so the, so the borrower knows what's going on. If you do TPO connect, you're familiar with this because this is just like in TPO connect where you can take your, your internal milestone name and flip it over to something meaningful for your TPO clients on TPO connect. Same concepts. Um, there's new e-close settings uh, in, in the personas. So um, naturally, this is 23.3. It's a major. If you if you've built if you're you know if you're still running stuff with the SDK, make sure you get it into your test environment as soon as possible. Update your software if you're leveraging the SDK, uh, and follow that stuff. It gives you some downloads. Uh, and if you're still using SDK, honestly, convert that stuff to API. Like you're you want to figure this out, especially if it's if it's technology that you own. Um, you want to figure this out, and if it's technology that you're leasing uh, or you've purchased from a third party, you want to find out what the game plan is to get that SDK over into API. That's the reality. 
Uh, so again, I'm, I'm going to go down into Feature Enhancements right here. We're going to start. So this is on page 16. We're already eight minutes into this review. And I'm going to focus on the things that I find important naturally. I encourage you to read this. Um, but it's a lot. And, uh, you know, if you want to put earmarks on this as we're going through, um, that's a great idea. So your FHA county limits um, are going to be updated sometime, um, you know, sometime later this year. You also now have conventional county limits, and you also have federal threshold adjustments um, that are in there. So you can manage all of this uh, information. Um, you're going to be getting new tools, and they're going to be in the tables and fees. So if you're listening to this, by the way, if you're listening to this on podcast, get over to mortgage.community to see the video. Here it is. This is what it's going to look like. <clears throat> so in the persona settings, um, I'm sorry, if you, in the persona, if you allow somebody else to manage the settings for the tables and fees, where normally they would have done like MI tables or FHA tables, things like that, you now have three new FHA county limits, conventional county limits, and federal threshold adjustments. This is brand new stuff. So um, you know, having to make everybody a super admin, by the way, that's been like long gone before. You only need to be super administrator if you need somebody to over that's doing true encompass um, administration stuff because you, you don't want them to be affected by business rules, things like that. Um, other than that, you can remember, you can give any persona the ability to, mo to manage any encompass setting um, through the settings tab in the persona. And if you didn't know that, now you know. So here's that project review tool for condominiums. A brand new tool. You'll see it in the tools tab here on the screen. And we've got a whole bunch of new fields uh, to manage. Those are the ones in green. And so if you're working with project review, you want to make sure you check this out. Again, I know a lot of companies that did um, their own custom input form because it didn't exist. But now it's a tool. And you'll want to go through and review this to figure out how you can leverage this and most importantly, uh, making sure the information is getting over into uh, your export um, out to your GSE delivery or your GINI delivery. Uh, so again, because it's a tool, remember, everything is connected to something. So because it's a tool, if you want your teams to get to it, you've got to go into their persona and go to the Forms Tools tab, and you'll see the, the right there, right, called out on there. All right. Supplemental insurance updates. This thing it reaches far and wide. Two brand new fields, URLA.x212 and URLA.x144. These guys are all over the place. And uh, it basically was uh, Encompass's way of helping you define definitively the supplemental insurance. So you've got this new insurance field for AUS tracking purposes. It's on the transmittal summary. ATRQM qualification, AUS tracking, HUD 92900LT for FHA loans, loan submission, FHA management, USDA management, and the prequal tool. Um, you'll also uh, uh, you'll also see that it's on the uh, uh, only on the on the URLA 2020. So if you're still using the 2009-1003, I don't know why. Um, if you're doing HELOCs, remember, you can do a HELOC with the 2010 itemization with the 2020-1003, which is what I hope you're doing. If you have no idea what I'm talking about or you're in the middle of trying to implement HELOCs and you're just having struggles, give me a call. Um, we've helped a bunch of companies with HELOC transitions or HELOC launches. Uh, 
it's kind of one of the things that we do pretty pretty well. So this new supplemental insurance field, um, basically between the, the um, it's a two decimal uh, field. So uh, in here on the transmittal summary, there's a whole bunch of explanations of how this came to be. We're on page 21 of 116. Read through this. I'm, I'm telling you, you got to read through it. So supplemental insurance, here it's on the FHALT. Here it's on the pre-qualification tool. Um, here it's on the uh, ATRQM. And again, if you're just listening to podcasts, you got to watch the video so you can see this thing on, on screen. Um, and here it is on the AUS tracking tool. Uh, and here it is on the proposed housing expenses of the FHALT. All right. And uh, now on page 28... Uh, this is really important because on the loan submission form, if somebody locks these fields, and this happens quite a bit, but on the subject property, when you're on the loan submission form, if you lock that, there's a, there's a challenge with that information feeding back over anywhere else in the loan. So remember, you can always hide or disable the locks um, in Persona Access to Fields business rules. If you don't know how to do that or you've tried and failed, um, hit me up on the community. And uh, I'll show you on one of our Tuesday or Thursday calls, Tuesdays at one at uh, 4 p.m. Eastern, Thursdays at 1 p.m. Eastern. Um, catch up. We'll talk about it, and I'll show you how to do it. Um, all right, so we've got more of these fields. I'm telling you, this, this supplemental insurance is all over the place. Cool. Next topic, page 32, affordable loan enhancements. So this is a brand-new table. It's in the tables and fees section of the settings. Um, under, under tables and fees. And this new area median income settings table, um, you have to click the download. So again, I'm, I'm telling you, it's like a ritual. Put it in your Outlook or whatever email client you use to remind you to do something at the beginning of the first business day of every month. Um, so it would have been today, because today's September 1st, you would have gone into Encompass and you would have updated the FHA download and the VA download and the FHA county limits. That was a normal thing. Um, in, in the new world here with 23.3, you're going to add to that the FHA, uh, to the FHA county limits. Um, you're also going to add the uh, uh, conventional county limits, the federal threshold adjustments, and now the affordable uh, median income limits. And this is really important because the affordable loan eligibility has uh, uh, sections been added to three forms. The borrower summary origination, the Fannie Mae additional data, and the Freddie Mac additional data, all these input forms now have this um, to, to determine whether a loan is a good candidate for an affordable loan program, such as the USDA. It's great right here on page 32. So um, it, it goes through all of the information, um, but there's an eligible checkbox, and there's an AMI at 180 and 50, and then um, which, which calculates based upon the county, and then it figures out, based upon your loan data, what the borrower's um, income is. And so it compares to see if it qualifies for one of these things. And that's the idea. That is really the idea. Um, when I first talked to some folks about AMI, it was, it was actually earlier this year, and they were talking about building a whole thing and plugging it in and doing this jazz inside of Encompass to find loans that were within AMI um, guides because it helps people get into homes um, with different affordable uh, housing programs. That's what this is all about especially, um, you know, if they're a first-time home buyer. 
So it goes through, we're, we're uh, down now between page 34, 35, and 36. Um, it really speaks to how this works, this AMI um, works. And, uh, you know, and, and, and that's, that's the important part of AMI. Um, there is a call out here. There's, there is a, um, uh, on this topic, it does talk about on page 37, a one-time calc field, which is USDA.X222. Um, so there is a, uh, a one-time calc on that field. So I, I wouldn't expect you're, you're paying attention to that field, but in case anybody says to you, like, hey, why is this changing? Um, check out page 37. All right, so we've got some Freddie Mac updates at this point, and on the Freddie Mac additional data, um, it's been updated. And the reason why it's been updated is because Freddie did an update to LPA. So um, pages 37 through 40, um, it, it kind of gives you an idea of what the input forms are going to look like for the Freddie Mac additional data. There are fields that are removed from the Freddie Mac additional data input form. So if you've got um, a workflow that required your team to fill out certain fields that um, are on the list starting with page 41, if you require those fields to be completed for a Freddie Mac workflow um, and you told them to go to the Freddie Mac additional input form, they're not going to be there after 23.3 comes in. So you've got to check out the full list. It's super long. It spans from page 41 um, all the way to the bottom of page 43. Um, so you've got to pay attention to that, see how your workflow uh, reacts to it, and, uh, and plan accordingly. So on page 44 now, we've got a new accessory dwelling unit, ADU field. So if you're like me and you've got a borrower, like my house, with an ADU on it, um, you know, you can now, depending on your program guidelines, um, document if there's an ADU present and the uh, income from that, expenses, vacancy factor, etc. So it's important to note um, that, uh, which is called out here at the bottom of page 44, that uh, uh, the mapping for the XML that's submitted to LPA is in place for ADU count. Um, and the income derived from ADU should still be entered as additional income with accessory dwelling unit. So on the verification of other income input form is where you would list that drop-down accessory dwelling unit. So that's here. Well, it's actually not. They didn't do a screenshot. So, um, so if you go to the, uh, the VOOA, the verification of additional, of, I'm sorry, verification of other income, so the VOOI, um, you'll see that, you should see that drop-down. There's no screenshot of that, but that's what you should see. Um, we've also got this new Heritage One enumeration added to Freddie Mac additional data. So uh, you now have a drop-down for the offering identifier. So if you're offering the Heritage One program through Freddie, you'll see that with 23.3, uh, 23.3 I should say, um, you'll see that drop-down. So that's cool. Uh, that's page 45. Uh, additionally, on page 45, Fannie and Freddie now have a new um, AIM provider, so the uh, uh, Asset and Income Modeler through LPA, uh, that's on there. If you're, if you're using that, great. I have no idea if anybody's using it or not, but you'll see it on the screenshot under GSE Additional Provider Data. That's a TRUV for the borrower and co-borrower. Um, there's a new community land trust name field added. Uh, so if you are doing loans and you've got community land trust involved on the Fannie Mae additional data and the Freddie Mac additional data input forms, you now have a field for this. 
there's a new borrower level um, field in the ULDD for first-time home buyer. So borrower and, and co-borrower now have new fields explicitly to call out first-time home buyers. They're drop-downs. Um, as always, if you're writing rules for drop-downs, and no matter what you see, please make sure you're using the field lookup tool for the values of that. If you don't have the field lookup tool, let me know on the mortgage.community, and um, I'll show you where to find that in the Internet. <laughs> it's an input form, and it's basically in the public domain. Um, so you can, you can grab that and use it to get the values because it's probably a Y or an N. Um, that was, that's what I would expect. I doubt it's an X blank. That's usually a checkbox um, out, uh, out of the box. So definitely check your values if you're writing rules for this stuff. Uh, and again, there's a data migration call out for this. So please check page 48 if you're used to doing first-time home buyers. All right, this is really cool too. So you've got two new fields to track property inspection waiver responses. So we all know if you've been doing any any type of rep and warrant relief work, we all know that we get something back from, from uh, Fannie or Freddie on property inspection uh, availability. But what if the borrower doesn't accept it? Or what if they do accept it? Well, when do they accept it? Um, those kinds of things. So on the screenshot, page 49, You'll see where in the fanny spot you can uh, indicate if the property inspection waiver was accepted, and on uh, page 40, on page 50, you'll see on the Freddie Mac side um, where to put that. So two new fields. Make sure uh, it's actually four new fields. Um, they're calling two new fields, but there's a checkbox and a date. Oh, oh okay. So they're the same fields, just uh, I guess they didn't differentiate them for Fannie and Freddie. Hmm. Okay. We'll check it out once we get our hands on it. Uh, there are two new credit fields added to the AUS tracking tool. Uh, and this is really important because if you've got different credit IDs going out to findings, we've all had it and something doesn't match up. You get an error in AUS and you have to open the findings and you have to read the findings for the credit reference ID, total drag, you'll now have an AUS tracking, um, which is super helpful. So in case we've got, you know, multiple submissions, and then all of a sudden it starts erroring out for credit. Check the credit reference ID in the submission uh, for the last successful one. We're on page 52. Um, we've got new rate options added to the index drop-down field list. We've also had some deprecated out. Um, well, actually, they're not deprecated. They're showing retired, probably so they don't disappear from the drop-down. Hey, that's another thing, too, I want to bring up. Um, this has happened a lot. I've seen people use custom fields. I've seen companies, clients use custom fields with values in the dropdown. Um, the the one of the worst offenders for this is putting people like your team members in dropdowns. The problem is you can't ever get rid of them from the dropdown because you'll actually wipe out that data from a loan file. So please be thoughtful about this. Um, and that's kind of probably why they're not getting rid of it altogether, so they don't uh, do something uh, unexpected with a loan file. So the the three new, or excuse me, the um, three new fields on here for that have been added um, for the Freddie Mac. Uh, these are for the Wall Street Journal uh, Prime uh, for the daily, weekly, monthly, and then there's a retired label. You've got some updates to forms and tools. Uh, we're on page 53 now, and now you've got the ability for property disaster declaration section added to the property information input form. So on the property information input form, you've got field 4953 that's been created. 
to identify that there's been a, a, a disaster declared in this area. Gang, you have to stay on top of this. Like, if you don't have somebody doing this for you um, as a matter of their job, um, I don't blame you because it's, it's a lot of work to go check all the disaster declarations. And so um, that's why I would, I would uh, encourage you to check out um, any number of third-party vendors that have a disaster uh, tool to go search against the FEMA website for um, uh, current disasters for the zip codes and the counties that they cover. I think it's counties, counties they cover. Uh, so if your property, subject property is in one of those counties, you can now click this checkbox, and if that checkbox is clicked, you can update your workflow to make sure you don't do things like, I don't know, order docs or fund a loan, something like that. Yeah. Um, until, of course, a 442 is, is ordered. Uh, so here it tells it shows you on page 54, um, it shows you the updated information, and now you can, uh, it's a table. It's a table. So now you can get in there and you can actually identify multiple occurrences if the property was on a disaster, wasn't on a disaster, was on a disaster. You never know. Uh, you just never know. Um, so going down to page 55, it shows you on screen different examples of what that looks like. Uh, cool, we're down on page 56, and now you've got this whole thing with lender obligated. Um, so here's the important part. I want to call out this small little sentence in here. Um, so if you put fees into, if you, if you enter a fee in the lender obligated checkbox in the pop-out, remember the 2015 itemization has that pop-out, you've got to use the pop-out. And so what uh, ICE calls out here is these fees are automatically identified as lender PAC, paid at closing fees, and will not impact fee variance and will not be represented as lender credits and will not impact the total closing costs of the field. So here's what's going on. Let's say you've got a lender-obligated fee for something uh, in connection with the loan file, something you've got to do as a lender. Your compliance team says you've got to disclose it, but we've all had this where we didn't want to show it as a lender credit because the borrower wasn't supposed to pay for it, just like a seller-obligated fee doesn't go in against your um, borrower for seller-paid uh, concessions. So this is lender paid fees. There's a new checkbox in there. I'm sure a ton of people are going to be happy over this because it will not affect your fee variance. It will not affect your lender credits. It will not affect the total closing costs. Uh, but they will continue to be disclosed on the closing disclosure as paid by lender. So it's in full compliance with transparency um, without screwing up those other things. Uh, and then here on page 57, there's a, uh, an image of what that looks like on the pop-out, on the pop-out. You won't see this anywhere else. And by the way, if you're thinking about, well, how do I write rules for this? Remember, any time that you're thinking itemization, you better be thinking DDM rules. DDM itemization. They go hand-in-hand hand, like peanut butter and jelly. All right. Uh, so we've got closing cost updates uh, for, on the bottom of page 57. Um, this is talking about uh, the following closing cost fields exclude the lender obligated for the six fee line items when the lender obligated box is checked. So read through this, gang. Uh, make sure you understand how this lender, lender obligated checkbox. There's a lot of notes here from page 57 uh, through 58. There's a, a migration call out uh, on this also straight into page 59. All right, now, so... This is cool, and this is going to be really cool for a lot of POSs out there and even CRMs. Um, I'm still feeling like I need to build a CRM. Um, 
I got all the parts. I just got to put them together here. Uh, so there's a new preferred contact method section uh, in here. So now you can not only indicate, obviously, your home phone, work phone, cell, but whether or not you accept SMS text messages. So that's an opt-in. I can also see it being used as an opt-out if it's not checked. And then your home or work. And preferred contact methods. So this is beautiful. Again, very common sense. We do it in other platforms, and I'm, I'm thoroughly happy that we're doing it here, mostly because this allows for bidirectional sync with outside uh, platforms, um, especially in terms of like automation for calls or emails, things like that. Um, so uh, this is going to be on the bar summary origination. Um, bar originate. They did that backwards. That's a call out ice. Change that. It's borrower summary hyphen origination input form as well as the 1003 URLA part one, um, and to the non-borrowing entities in file contacts tool. So remember, if you're in the file contacts and you click that page plus at the top of the tool, you'll get a non-borrowing owner, and you'll see the same thing. Uh, so that's there on page 59, and here it shows you uh, how it works. And again, it's super cool. You've got time zones for the borrowers. Now, the part that I'm going to call out here is... Um, why not just add every time zone? Um, I don't know, but the fact that there's all there's all uh, uh, seven, uh, eight in here. Wait, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Yeah, seven. I don't know where I got eight from, but seven between Eastern, um, straight through Hawaiian. Uh, again, uh, use it for what's what it's meant for. Um, is what it is. It's it's way better than what we have today. So when you click that little uh, clock icon right next to the home phone, um, that's going to bring up this contact, the borrower contact preference time zone. And it breaks down by any day or different day, different times, um, different uh, times for different days. So here you see it like any time, morning uh, to evening. Again, this is one of those things, but it calls out. You should only be calling people between 9 a.m. and 9 p.m. in their time zone. Not before, not after. Don't get yourself in trouble. Uh, we're on page 62, so it just shows more images about how this looks and more information about how this works. Uh, and we're still trucking here. Hopefully your energy's up. We're on the 30th minute. I told you this is going to be long, so I'm right here with you. We've got two. We've got new Ginny May specific fields updated to the ULDD form. So you've got your Ginny LTV and your Ginny CLTV. Um, so you've also got your re-performing loans. So if you had any non-performing loan and now they be, they brought everything back current and they're re-performing, you now have the ability to indicate that on the ULDD PDD input form. So when you uh, deliver that loan to Ginny, um, it'll be in the XML file that you export over, which is very cool. I know there's some compliance folks will be happy about this. There's now, in the underwriter summary, uh, new fields have been added to track the regulation B date for accepting a loan application. So um, this is on page 64, and here's a screenshot on page 65, and down at the bottom of the underwriter summary, page 2. It's not at the bottom, actually. It's, it's at the top. It's the second section off the, off the top where those dates are. So you'll see a new regulation B section, and so decision date application completed, notice of incomplete, received the requested information, loan decision date, and file close for incompleteness. This is going to be really important for your Reg B compliance. Um, that's where you're going to find it. And like anything else, if you don't use underwriter summary page two, but you want to grab the fields 
go for it for any custom input form. Uh, we've got new drop downs. Rates are high, prepays are back. You now have a new four and five year enumerations added to the prepay penalty term, especially with, with uh, all the uh, wonderful non QM lenders out there that are making deals happen. If you needed to document your four and five year prepay, uh, welcome back. They were a big thing a long time ago. I remember them. I do remember them. Uh, we're on page 67. E-close. If you're doing e-close, it now supports partner document delivery. So this is probably not helpful for a lot of people, but I'm going to reinforce that you have to start moving towards hybrid e-close. I said this at the beginning of the year. I said my entire year I wanted to help people, companies with two things, and that's moving to uh, workflow, uh, task-based workflows and at least hybrid e-close. And so that we've been very successful on that all year. want to continue that, and that's what page 67 68, 69, 70, uh, talk about. Redrawing, it talks about that on page 71 um, and, and going into there. So um, it also talks about disclosure tracking, and you've got uh, new partner ID fields to track in uh, when you're using Encompass eClose. Okay, we're getting near the end here of these uh, feature enhancements. So we've got the trade management. We've got these two new APIs for loan trades and MBS pools. Um, that's important um, to focus on if that's your thing. Um, we've got some additional updates. It's been a great time, Web Center administration, but it's time to go. So the Web Center administration module is going to be yanked. Uh, it, the Encompass Web Center will be fully sunsetting on October 7th making this link irrelevant, so they're doing us all a favor and getting rid of it. Um, it's been awesome. It's been a great 15 years or whatever it's been. Um, thank you for your service. Take care. <laughs> um, also, it's important to, rec to recognize that all of the, um, e the EDM archive site is going to be de decommissioned. So this is a prep. So if you're using EDM archive, if you're one of the ones out there, this is your heads up. It's being decommissioned with 24-1, so you've got a short window. I'm sure ICE has been talking to you a lot about this if you're using it, um, but you won't be able to access any archived documents there. If you have no idea what I'm talking about, don't worry about it. You didn't miss a thing. Um, we've also got page 77 here. We've got system performance improvements uh, when creating new loans with document template sets. So there was this thing that kind of made Encompass look like it was breaking when you had a uh, loan template set with a large document set um, and we're using enhanced conditions. Uh, that was me. I did that. <laughs> so um, good news is that's been resolved, fully resolved behind us in 23.3. Uh, there you go. Um, so here's some um, uh, more uh, talk. So now we're on page 78. Um, this is a screenshot of the new conventional county loan limit setting screen. So going back, I don't know why this is out of order, but going back to what we talked about earlier in the tables and fees, you've got, you know, we're used to doing conventional, uh, sorry, FHA county limits. This is the conventional limit. And so just like before, make sure you've got your radio button on the correct spot for the FHFA website. Click synchronize. Make sure that's updated. Again, I always say do it once a month, even though it doesn't change once a month. I just like doing it to be safe because I'm paranoid for this stuff. Um, if you're doing any webhooks, uh, there's a new developer connect persona setting that's called out here on page 78. 
and there's changes about how the field change webhook is going to work. Make sure you read these details. Um, it talks about how to subscribe to those webhooks and enhance field change in those settings uh, for the persona. Um, so again, you've got to make sure you stay on top of this information. And uh, just a call out here, since the enhanced field change webhook may include PII, if, changes, uh, if it changes during the course of processing alone, this persona's option will also enable administrators to control which of their users and partners should have access to the data in the webhook. So um, you should absolutely know what you're doing with webhooks. If you don't, make sure you work with a partner that does. Uh, we're getting near the end here. We've got new persona options for ordering pre-closing documents. So just like you're used to in the persona, when it comes to the loan tab in every persona, you always had like closing docs. Now you've got pre-closing docs. So if you've got a workflow where your team member orders pre-closing docs, you now have the ability to segregate what their um, allowances are as uh, inside of the Encompass loan file. Um, so uh, that's page uh, 80. And uh, keep in mind, I want to do a call out here. This is really important. This persona option is specifically, uh, I'm sorry, the, the, there's a new persona option for ordering disclosures with compliance audit failure. So this is new for web order disclosures. Um, this is a precursor. Nobody's on the web, on Encompass Web, ordering disclosures at all. Um, if you are, for whatever reason, you now are going to have an option. I don't know why this is on here and not in the web. I don't remember. So maybe we'll see this again when we go through the web, the full uh, web release notes, not just the pre-release notes. That was page 80. Um, so here you go. Here's a screenshot of it. It's in the e-folder tab. If you're doing it, there it is. It's on screen. Um, we've got new persona options for default pipeline view. Again, this is a web version of Encompass update. Uh, so on the screenshot for page 82, we're now in the persona again, we're on the web version tab, and there's updates. And so on the bottom right, you'll see um, what you want the default pipeline. So if you paid attention to some of the demonstrations I've given and some of the talks I've had about um, doing task-based workflows and using Encompass on the web, when you log into Encompass on the web, you've got a pipeline view. Well, you can default that. If your team is just there to do tasks, you can default tasks to come up first instead of pipeline, and then they have to click on tasks. So it's a... It's a good UI feature um, to get your teams right into the task pipeline, if that's really where they're supposed to be anyway, for that persona. Um, so here's that call out where I was all excited at the beginning, 38 minutes ago. So on your milestone templates, you're now going to have a new field on each milestone. So not in the template, but in the milestone, a consumer status. So what you're doing here is like processing. Well, processing doesn't mean a damn thing to a borrower. Is it in processing, out of processing, about processing? Who knows? So you can put in your own custom label so that it makes sense to your borrower um, who it's speaking to. Just like for TPO, what does it mean to TPO if that's the milestone? You're going to now have a chance to speak directly to the borrower. Um, really important call out here on the bottom of page 83. You've got to make sure that you pay attention to the log um, to the log fields. So if you're writing any business rules and you and um, in the reporting database you want to track it also, you now got log.ms.current consumer status or log.ms.consumer status. So two different ways to track what's going on to the consumer. Um, 
we're on page 84 now, and you've got Encompass zip code uh, database update with new updates. That's great. You've also got new Encompass eClose settings option and Encompass admin tools. How often do you go in admin tools? Only when there's a change or if you need a reporting database. So this is important. Um, if you're doing eClose and going back a few pages, if you wanted to make sure that you wanted to send closing documents to third parties, you got to check this out on page 84 going into page 85. Here's a screenshot. Are you going under the eClose category of the server settings manager? Do you want to allow users to send a closing package to third parties? Yes or no? Got to answer that question. Uh, and that's it, gang. We did it. I was a little off. It's 40 minutes. Um, thanks very much for hanging on. My name is Larry Bailey, Mortgage Workflow Partners. That was all of the feature enhancements uh, for version 23.3. Uh, again, today is September 1st. We'll make any updates as we need to for any changes to this recording and future release. But thank you very much for hanging in there with me all 41 minutes. If you ever need anything from us, uh, you can always reach Mortgage Workflow Partners at 888-522-7181, or you can send me an email, larry at workflowpartners.org, or get involved in the conversation over at Mortgage.Community. We're going to be talking about this at least for the next, I don't know, two months as, uh, pre you know, as it works up to the release and uh, as it is released. Get over to part two when you're, uh, when you're ready. We're going to go through the fixed issues next. Thanks, guys. See you there. Bye-bye.